podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sometimes saving money takes work, but when you switch to Xfinity Mobile, it's easy. You'll save hundreds a year on your wireless bill and get nationwide 5G included at no extra cost. Wow. That was easy. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Yes, what's going on? Welcome to Chessie Hour once again. Network of Touchland Frackers club specific podcast back again, same time every week, bringing you Chelsea related content, even in the pandemic, every week. But now there might just be some light at the end of the tunnel with today's announcement that and I've said this to you lot, I feel like we, we, we're always on a good on a good day with Thursdays, I think we get a bit of breaking I don't know what it is about Thursday Newsweek they don't want to do it on a cliffhanger with a Friday or they want to give it, I don't know what it is but I feel like every Thursday when we're recording there's always something, but this, this is a good one to have on the day anyway, which changes up what we're going to do, 7th even June, that is the date that we've all been waiting for, the Premier League is allegedly um, going to restart. Uh, I don't know the final details like the Bundesliga and this, that and the other, but football is back in some kind of form and looking to smash out the rest of the season from the 17th of June to the 1st of August. So now with these podcasts and with you listening and everything like that sat at home, the, the reviews have been great. The nostalgia has been great. We actually have a future to talk about now, which is a bit mad. It feels a bit weird. Anyway, back to this week. Uh, I'm here with Dan Soft. What's going on, mate? What's going on, bro? Good. Good, good, good. Joe Tweeds. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. Yeah, all good here. Nice one. Mr. Meads. What's going on? What's popping? I'm good, man. What's happening? Who else have we got in here this week? Pels, what's going on? All good, man. How are you lot? All good. All good. Jermaine. 
What's happening? What's going on, my brother? All good, man. Not a lot, not a lot. Am I missing anyone? Is that the whole thing? Everyone inside? That's you, bro. It's everyone. Again. Everyone inside. Wow. Wow. Everyone is, I don't know when the last time we did everyone inside was properly. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't even know if we've had everyone. I don't think there's been one where we've had six. Yeah. We're all Avengers no. Assemble today. Probably. I think it's just the, 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 the thing about the headline dropping about football's back. Everyone's just woken up. Everyone's literally. Literally. <laughs> Everyone's just like, oh, yeah? All right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll do this one now. I won't watch the game from 2008, but I will come and 100% sit there for some, some real stuff. So, love that. All right, cool, man. Well, let's jump straight in. What we're going to run through today, um, it, it suits anyway, to be fair, man. We were going to do our sort of official hour season part season review look back on some of our shouts look back on um, how it's gone and it just so happens that has fallen really nicely on the day where we find out we actually have the rest of a season to look forward to I know Dan you're not too happy about that because the project void is officially over yeah you know what? I don't mind too tough it's like I just don't want anything bad to happen in it and I'm with you 100% because part of me still feels they did the test again recently and it's still four players or so and it keeps creeping up I'm just not even the virus necessarily just the fitness of everyone um, and, and that's something I'm going to just put out as the first question I guess is before we do any review or anything like that we have this news, you might as well talk about it. I know everyone here is fiending like I am and has been watching more Bundesliga than they probably ever have before in their life, like all of Twitter. Everyone is an expert from Wolfsburg to Bremen to everyone now. But you lot have seen the games, fanless stadiums, not everyone entirely fit, certain teams looking a lot more ready than others, the pace not really lasting the 90. What are we expecting from this Premier League return and, and how much is it going to just not be anticlimactic but feel a bit flat and a bit not um, not pointless but we know who the title is. I feel like by this point everyone's kind of a bit more pandemic off and happy to wait to next season. Are we actually excited about this or am I just, is it just me? I don't know. I feel like it's it's gonna be weird because there's a there's quite a few teams that are gonna come back simply unfit and unprepared, unready, and you can't really blame them. It's not gonna be a fit. Like Troy Deeney said today, that um, the integrity of the lead the, of the league is, is now is now gone. Uh, in terms of if anyone wins a game or wins the league, it almost it's almost like from now it's almost like it doesn't really matter. Like. Not to say it doesn't matter, but it just—it's almost like invalid because no one's fit. You've taken like two. I don't. I don't, I don't think you're doing that quote justice, Meats. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I don't want to get into it because you know certain Liverpool fans will start complaining. <laughs> and shit. But um, it was yeah, something it's... along the lines of it was something along the lines of <laughs> running a marathon, stopping for two months, and then being like, "Oh, bloody hell, that was a good time, wasn't it?" Yeah, yeah, it was a great, it was a great quote to be honest. <laughs> it's a great course to be honest but the truth is the league ain't really gonna be I, I wouldn't respect it as it is I think going back and playing especially when people are still at risk I think it's bollocks but fuck it it's what it is man have to do it 
I mean, they the players are happy about it. I know that for sure. Players yeah, are- for real. And a lot of players, is, they've said, have expressed a few concerns and everything. But even away from the virus stuff, I think we've talked about the COVID aspect a lot um, and just we touched on it last week even. Um, we have talked about that a lot and the sort of the risks that come with that. And if someone is to get ill, if someone is to make someone at home ill, maybe um, if someone is to make their family ill, uh, certain demographics being a little bit more susceptible to certain things and um, being more susceptible to having other issues like asthma and diabetes, which have poor comorbidity. There is that side of it. And I think we've talked about that. But on a more basic level, you've got these million, million, million pound athletes that you're tasked with looking after. And I know the sports are great, but the injury risk and the, the just rushing into competition, it's not off pre-season. It's no. just going to be... Have you seen that? Like, we've all seen the training. It's just, it's rubbish. It's, 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 there's nothing. There's no 11 on 11. There's hardly any five on five. So I just, 17 is around the corner. And I just am wondering, five subs, maybe you'll get used like the Bundesliga or whatever. But I'm just wondering how fit everyone's going to be. Jermaine, how, how do you think that's going to work? Is that going to, are people, are players going to be put at risk just in terms of their own physical health, not just viral? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think like when you when you play at such a high intensity and such a high level um, consistently, and then you have this kind of break. Like I think even after like a normal season, like what's what's the holiday like players get? It's it's what what two three weeks something like that. Like these men have been off for how long now? Not playing any ball, and it's not even like they've been able to train at the same intensity that they normally do as well. So I think going back into the league in terms of even the training that they're doing leading up to it, it's, it's still not the same. And I think I just saw, like, just today, actually, I saw one of the Everton players is, is, is out for six months already. And what the hell was he doing to be out for six months? He couldn't have been doing nothing crazy because the man ain't been doing training like that. So it's like he's out for six months already. Yeah. So you, you're just waiting to see how many more. Like, it could have just been a freak, freak thing, but... At the same time, it might be a thing where he's been out for so long, my man's come back to training and he's tried to do maybe something at the, at the even, level. Even in the game, so if we look, what, 17th of June, Sheffield United, for example, yeah. Manchester City, Arsenal, a couple of clubs are back on 17th of June. Now, I know people have been in training at slightly different times. Chelsea, I think, have been training for maybe a week, 10 days. But, Jermaine, as well, you've played. Um, I've played. So, to varying levels. And even at the most basic, like, you're not telling me these guys are going to be sprinting, Paul Pelt. You're not telling me that every team is going to be at the same level of fitness. Um, People are going to be easing their way back in. And I found that a little bit with the Bundesliga games. I remember um, the early ones, especially that first weekend, you saw some teams who were bang on it, yep, let's go. And then they were facing off against teams who, for at least the first half, looked like they didn't want to do any hamstring damage with a sprint or they look like they hadn't really done any sort of tactical training. They've talked a lot about the sporting integrity of the competition, finishing it out. But now I feel like that's kind of fallen to like sixth priority or something. Um, Joe, if if Liverpool had already won this league, (laughs) do you think we'd be being, being forced back? Or is it a bit, am I being unfair? And is it more to do with the whole, the legal stuff, the relegations and, and TV commitments and everything like that? 
I mean, it's, it's difficult to overlook that aspect. You know, they haven't won a, a league title in, in nearly 30 years. So the fact that this is their first opportunity, they're, what, two, two game, games from clinching it? I think that there's a big element for, for sort of seeing a, a, like an official victor come through. But in terms of sort of the integrity of the lead, I think Troy Deeney has is, is been absolutely spot on there. Um, you know, we, we can't overlook the, the absolutely enormous impact that sort of television companies and the, the pressure that they're basing on the Premier League. And I don't think anyone really wants to entertain a conversation, certainly not between the Premier League and the clubs and the television companies, about paying back money and, and sort of those sort of really, really uncomfortable discussions. Um, you know, you're talking about sort of the type of conversations that could have a, a long-lasting impact on, on how football is, is consumed globally. And I don't think, you know, Sky and BET and all these other big sports companies really want to kind of lose the sort of monopoly that they have when it comes to football rights. You know, you've got guys like Amazon and Facebook looking quite happily in the background that, that someone makes a big move and tries to reclaim some money. So I think it's, there's a huge financial driver. Um, a little bit of me, and maybe, again, this is a very much a, a Chelsea bias, but... I do think that there's an element that because Liverpool are, are so close to winning the title that they, they want to kind of push that through and see that through. But I think it's primarily been motivated by money. And I think that's where the, the integrity, as you say, that the sporting integrity aspect comes in. If it wasn't, uh, you know, if, if it's the sort of situation is for, for most people that you can't stand within a certain amount of distance of each other, how are you going to be marking people on corners? I mean, it, it's just it's a bit, a bit of a complete nonsense, but there's so much money at stake. Well, according to the Bundesliga, all you've got to do is you can play and, and pull shirts and sweat on other men. But as long as you're, you're socially distanced on the bench, uh, everything's fine. Um, that's where it counts. <laughs> yeah, that's where it counts. On that money point, Joe, I think that's a really good point as well um, that you've raised there about it being a bit fearful. And I think a lot of people don't really, they don't want to lose any money just because they don't know what's on the horizon in terms of competing interests like Amazon who will just take charge or. Um, I found it interesting now that some of these games are going to be free to air. And I feel yeah. like it might be opening a little bit of a Pandora's box there where it's like, well, okay, so you can do that now. Why can't we do that now? Because I know the Champions League yeah. um, ratings, for example, since going to BT, coverage of the Champions League has been pretty good. The European football show team there is really good, but the fact is people don't have access to it. So Champions League ratings since leaving United TV have dropped. Um and I don't know, man, I just feel like it could be, yeah, it's finally in the balance in terms of the TV situation. Moving on to the clubs financially, I know there's a lot of sort of whispers that certain clubs are not in good financial standing. There's even been a rumour that Chelsea are one of the few. Somehow, by the way, I don't know how much I stock I put in this because apparently what <laughs> we reported what losses of, of how much, but... There was a rumour, so we might as well pay it some credits, that Chelsea are one of a few Premier League teams that financially are able to make a move this summer or willing on, to make man. You know who Roman is? Come on, B. Of course I know who Roman <laughs> is, but Roman, Roman, Roman didn't yeah. make his, make his uh, fortunes by just while everyone zigging, he zags and thinks, yeah, I'll splash. Let's not forget who Don Roman is, bro. Come on. Well, we'll see. But, uh, I mean... We're, we're fortunate in that regard. A lot of clubs ain't, right? So they're talking about um, clubs maybe being in trouble financially and the whole governing financial system of football just being revealed to just be a joke thing, basically. And every club is just hand-to-mouth, but with millions and millions and millions and millions. Um, where do you lot kind of see this moving? Not just this summer. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not selling Sancho this summer. Wait till the market stabilises. Will it? Will it? And what will that stability look like compared to this? Because I have a mate who's who's saying, yeah, football's changed forever. But I don't know, he's a bit 
I don't yeah. know, man. I think that might be extreme because the thing of a football, it is such a strange and weird commodity. Um, it it doesn't react the same to other markets. Yes, it's, it's, it's entirely market. own. It's, it's, yeah. in, it's its own economy. Isn't it? It's his own in, economy. In, in, like com- completely, I feel like it will. Yes, it will have financial impact, and just by, by nature, you will have financial impact because your fans won't be there. But at the same time, the product especially the fact that it's been away for so long and the Prem, for example, is considered the best sport or the best type of football there is in terms of like a brand and a package. Um, probably might even financially boost the Premier League's value considering how much people will value it and because they've missed it so much. So it's, I, I don't think it will change it for the, for the worse um, at all, in my opinion, anyway. Um, you will have clubs that, in the short term, they have um, financial shortfalls, which is normal. But in the long run, I think as long as they're able to maintain themselves for the next couple of months, after that, once all the tickets, um, once you're able to get people back in the stadium and you start getting ticket revenue again, I think generally they will be fine. But it's just whether they're able to survive that. So this is it, though. Financially, maybe. But do you think now there'll be a hesitancy of, boy, we don't know what's going to happen again. Maybe we, we got away with it a little bit and it might be a bit more, put it this way, a certain owners might be thinking, oh, that Daniel Levy, I always thought he was a prat, but he might be onto something, yeah? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, definitely changes. So for instance, the five subs um, that they've kind of pushed through, that might stick, for instance. Um, and generally, they're going to prepare in the eventuality if this happens again. So I think that um, I think just in in world in general, the world will change after this, um, and we'll be more prepared if something like this happens. Just to uh, jump in on what Dan was saying, though, so sort of being in in banking around 2008, there was loads of regulations that put through that banks had to set aside like tons more capital to like protect people's money. I think sort of a similar kind of viewpoint can be made about how football will approach it now, because if you're looking at clubs almost living like check to check from, from sort of money, you know, and it's, it's really kind of eye opening to see certainly Premier League clubs, you know, sort of having that uh, sort of risk that, 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 you know, without sort of football continuing that they can, they can collapse in on themselves. So you could see when it comes to certainly the transfer market that there is less um, willingness to, to spend the sort of the obscene amounts you've seen. And maybe there is more of a, a need to set money aside for kind of instances like this. You know, you were looking at a, a billion pound product that, you know, people were, were furloughing staff and people were getting let, let off left, right and centre. Um, to me, that that isn't a great reflection, certainly of the social standing of the game. And that, that definitely is an important factor. So I don't think it will be any kind of way near as punitive as it was to the financial industry. But certainly I could see Premier League clubs now looking to adopt some sort of regulations where they have to set aside a certain portion of money to to maintain their business for a year if, you know, in the event that something like this happens again. Yeah, but that was just disgraceful from Tottenham and Liverpool, to be honest. That was yeah, boring. yeah, and they, the fact I they got bullied into doing it, you know, yeah, I, I going back genu- on their web. I, I genuinely believe that that decision to do what they did was just embarrassing. And yeah, I agree. Regardless of their financial position, because I don't think that they're lacking anything. They've they've all got millionaire billionaire owners. Like I just that was just them being greedy. That was yeah. just them being greedy and trying to exploit the government. Simple. Uh, yeah, I mean this is embar- that is embarrassing. Whereas a club like Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth did furlough for their staff. Um, 
it's a different scenario because they don't have the billionaire owners. They, I think you, ha- you need to look at it on a case-by-case case basis. If a club like Liverpool are doing that, they should be scorned. They should be penalised for it. Whereas a mm, club like Bournemouth, they actually may need, may need it. It's different. It's very, very different. They're, I know Bournemouth, are, they're not a massive club. They're not a massive club and they are heavily reliant on their ticket revenue. So it's, it's very different, in my opinion. Just, just on on that again. Moving forward, like coming away from the financial and back to the what you called the brand meads. Palumi, how much of the Bundesliga you've been watching? Um, a ton of it, to be honest. Um, right, and and as a football man, I know you've been. I know you've you've put the the lab coat and the glasses on, and I know you've been looking it. at. <laughs> I know you were looking at the tactics and that, but as a just as a spectacle, yeah, as a spectacle. Yeah. Has it been anticlimactic? Been something that actually, without the fans and without the pace of a fully fully um, managed fitness regime, is that really what people are going to be tuning into Premier League to watch? Do you think we're going to be missing so much that it's unrecognisable, or are people just going to be too happy football's back to give a shit? I think. Um... It's definitely a different like entertainment product in terms of obviously there's no they're not being fans means just the noise you hear like when you're when you're watching is completely different. You're hearing the shouts, um, you're hearing the touch of the ball and whatnot. And I think a lot of people, like a large proportion of football fans, tune in for the spectacle. Um, they tune in for the atmosphere. They tune in, you know, to hear the chants and whatnot. In, and they go to games to hear the chants and feel that kind of the passion and like. You, you, you like that element of football. It's a massive part of, of football um, in the stadium and obviously on, um, on the TV. So I think... What- when the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. What you'll find is that what, what, we, what we're watching is just slightly different in, in that or what we're, what we're experiencing in that way. But the game's the same, more or less. I think the, the Bundesliga like in their into their third kind of game week now. The quality of the games has improved. I think the touches are less rusty. So I think other than the initial kind of um, struggles of just players getting back to fitness and the rustiness and getting that match sharpness back, um, football for what it is in terms of the game and the like, the tactical side and the, the three-point game in that way, that's it's the exact same thing. I think if... So for you, for you, you've enjoyed this as much as you would have enjoyed Bayern Dortmund six months ago? Um... Because I just haven't, man. And I don't know if it's just me or if anyone else on the pod would move me, but... No, I'm with you. I, don't I, like, could, just, I, I could do without it until it's back properly, Ella. I, I can't lie. I, I think, a lot, the, well, for me, I've always been quite a Bundesliga snob anyway. And I think the quality on the, in the league, like defensively anyway, is just shambolic. Um, but to be honest, Dortmund, uh, the Dortmund-Bayern game, I felt Dortmund played quite well. And considering that they've, pl- they've been out of action for so long, it actually surprised me how well they played. Um, even Leverkusen, uh, not 
I think it was on Saturday. Um, they played well as well, but I don't know. I don't really enjoy German football just because, yes, you're going to get loads of goals, but I just think the quality's poor. So you only get a couple of teams that I think play generally good good football. Um, All right, let me put it to you this way, Miz. So I think Dortmund are almost a good little case study because, yeah, they were decent against Bayern, but the team Lampard's going to be wanting to get back out unless he changes things up in this thing. Uh, and we're going to go into sort of our season review straight after this. Lampard's team definitely, I think, has started to have, if you would call it, an identity. And it does things quickly and it has a lot of running involved and it is quite uh, heavy on the pressing um, in the sort of top half of the pitch, for, uh, front two thirds. Is that going to suffer? Is there going to be more of an advantage for teams that, aren't so reliant on a high-risk, high-reward game when they come back. So I think that's part of the reason the Bundesliga hasn't been a great watch. Is a lot of the league play that way, and it's not really sustainable to play in that way after this sort of a break. Add that to what I've just not enjoyed in terms of there's no fans, there's no atmosphere, like, and it just feels forced. I remember the first game back, uh, Steve McManaman's like, yeah, they come into this one in great form. I was like, what? they haven't played in two months. What's exactly. the great form? Form goes out the window. Feels, it feels <laughs> weird, man. Form goes completely out the window. That's just bollocks. <laughs> That's just so dumb. Is, I don't know, I, man. I don't know. I Joe, I heard, I heard you almost agreeing with me, Joe. What, what were you saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it to me, it looks just like glorified pre-season friendlies and I think that the the tempo of the games the the style of the games particularly not having a crowd there for me is such a strange thing as someone who is like used to going to games used to hearing the noise seeing like really top level players just playing like with no atmosphere and it also you kind of get that sort of feed from the crowd tempo and and how sort of things are moving it just doesn't feel like a a product that I particularly want to watch And, and thinking certainly back to the Premier League you know it's 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 known for its tempo. It's known for the pace of play. It's known for, for, for you know, the kind of crowds and, and, and the sort of closeness to the pitch and the atmosphere. And, and the prospect of seeing certainly us start playing again, you know, effectively having a, a six-game probably stretch where we're, we're going to resemble sort of pre-season in Chelsea, to me, isn't, isn't fully appealing. Um, I know that, and, and, you know, you're coming into the park of the season as well where it's meant to be exciting you're meant to be excited to watch games you're coming to the running things are being decided okay like the title is, is well and truly over but those top four places relegation you know that's still very much up for debate and to see teams who potentially are now going to be relegated or get into a Champions League based on probably just how how quickly and how fit their players are going to be rather than how well they've played or the momentum they've built up through the season to me is a little bit fake and I'm, I'm not I'm not super keen, really. I'm, I'm not super excited to see things happen. I mean, it'll probably change when sort of the games kick off and, and you kind of get back into the swing of things. But I think those first three to six games are going to be really weird. And I, I'm not super excited to, to sort of see things recommend. So I just think it's going to be so strange to see the Premier League played at a, a kind of pre-season friendly pace. And also, I just realised we are on a Chelsea podcast and a football podcast, so we should be gassing up everyone to be really excited. So basically, forget everything I've said. It's going to be... <laughs> Locking are we even worried? Are we even worried about our team though? Like, so our I'm team worried. Team. I'm worried. Nah, nah, nah. nah. To be actually, how do you mean worried? Worried about fitness? Like in terms of, I don't care about Bournemouth and them man there if they're not fit. Like 
why do we even care? Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 care, I care about us because I think we're going to be one of the main teams. I, I just feel like we'll suffer almost more. Nah, I, I feel like the, I feel I, like the Burnleys and that will be cool. Don't know what? Jay, Jay's gassed. He's seen the man on the bikes, going for runs, <laughs> doing record time, 5Ks. He's comfy. He thinks he's just studying the form. Looking at Insta stories, man. Listen, listen to what I'm saying, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, my main attribute with our players, yeah, was, was fitness. And I kid you not, I could be out of football for two months, but come, come when we come back to football, and I need to do beat tests, man's not, man's not losing. Mm. So I'm saying this from now, a lot of the players that we've got here, yeah, I don't see them as players that, I think we've got a lot, they've got a lot of enthusiasm because a lot of them are quite young. I think a lot of them are very fit players generally as well. You look at players like Barkley, Mount, even players like, I know it's shocking as he is sometimes, people like Rudiger, athletes, like, I don't think our players are going to be suffering that much in terms of things like fitness and that. I think players like Ruben, obviously, they haven't played. <laughs> players like Kante, players like Kante, they're, mm. man, they're not... They're, Kante, they're man, they're not... He's fit. Oh, oh, you know hold, saying, on, like, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't think we have that one. Let's talk. So, in, in terms of fitness, yeah, so we've yeah. got quite... Uh, another good thing is we've got quite... Again, we've got quite a few Muslims in our, in our squad. So they're going to be relatively lean. I'm looking at other squads and I'm looking at other teams looking quite heavy. Well, as I'm looking at, we've got Rudiger, Kante, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, maybe a little bit. Zuma. Yeah, I, I, I can see where the optimism is from. I can see where Jay's optimism is from. going to be moving slow. I can see it. I'm but at the same you, time, bro. you never know, though. That's the problem with these things. You never know. And with it's our true. squad... Well, I'll tell you what. You know what? Means you've set me up there. You do never know. And yeah. I think before we get into into chatting about what's going to happen. We'll, we'll kick off our review. But speaking of you'll never know, I would like to kick off our review with things that you lot definitely did not know. I've listened to our shouts from August 19th, 15th. Mm. August, whenever Premier League Eve was. Yeah. And I've had a look at them. Some strong. Some strong. And some just... Not so. Listen. <laughs> oh, so now that I know Jermaine is all aboard that we're going to be fitter than everyone else, and I'm all aboard that our pressing game is going to suffer. Straight away, we've got a good starting point for to review at end of the second season. But looking back on it, um, before I sort of say out what everyone would said, and when I went digging back, let's just ro quickly roll around. How have things gone roughly? And you can be any sort of focus for you lot whether it be management or players or this and the other. How has the... If he feels even weird to ask about a season that's not done now because of yeah. this, but how has the first phase of this season gone for you before we start looking at how people were expecting it to go? Um, for me, it's gone pretty much as expected. I wasn't really expecting Chelsea to be fantastic this year. I always felt we were going to be a work in progress. And I always felt that, um, yeah, also Frank, it's Frank's first year in the top flight. So I, I never really felt like he'd be pulling up trees. I knew he's very inexperienced and his team around him will be inexperienced. Not to mention that he's going to be bringing through a lot of young players. Um, he was already handicapped by not having a transfer, market, a transfer window 
um, and bringing in players apart from Kovacic, who has been a, a, a great signing um, for us. But um, the expectations weren't... Speaking of, early, speaking of early shouts, me, I know, I know that yeah, <laughs> Kovacic wasn't. Yeah, but Kovacic, I wasn't happy about the signing because, again, um, no, to be honest, to be fair, I wasn't happy with Kovacic's signing, but then when Ruben got injured, I'm like, all right, fine. Even though it's £40 million, I wasn't happy with the fee. It makes sense to sign it because of the injuries that we had with Ruben. I think, I think it's funny when you look back on stuff. I think we overlook how that signing was divisive, man. And now if you look at any sort of fan, they're like, yeah, he has to start. He's quality. He's always been a good player. Up, mm-hmm. But his first season was up and down. Um, it is funny looking back at certain things. Obviously, we've been looking back at retro things. But even as recent as four or five months, what can change so much? Um, the thing is with Kovacic, the thing is with Kovacic, and my stance on Kovacic is this. Kovacic has always been a good player. But the problem is, he isn't a number eight, a traditional number eight where he's going to be creating scoring goals. No. The thing is, what I've started to do with Kovacic and players like Kovacic is you should stop trying to look at what they can't do and look at, focus on what they actually do, yeah? And try to appreciate what they bring to the team. And Kovacic brings a lot of quality to the team. And that's the thing. If you start focusing on, oh, he's not scoring goals, not creating anything, that's when you're going to get frustrated. But that's not him as a player. You need to start looking as a, at the player as an individual and start assessing what they do and what they do well. And Kovacic is great. Kovacic is a great player, but he's just not that number eight that's going to get you the goals and create. Even though he's saying that, oh, working with Lampard, he wants to, um, he wants to improve on that regard. Of course, he's self-aware. He wants to improve. And that's a good thing. That's a good quality to have. But that's not his game. That isn't I his think, game. I think, I think if, if you take the eight and you sort of tip it 90 degrees, you've got Kovacic because he does everything <laughs> that most number eights go top to bottom and he just does it left to right. But, no, um, cap, but no, he's, Kovacic, he's, Kovacic is awesome. <laughs> When it like uh, listen in the middle phase of play, the best middle third he's incredible. <laughs> he's incredible in the middle third. You know he's incredible. You know what? Look at looking at the numbers, and I will go into these in a bit. I think he's probably sums up Chelsea more than anything else because in the middle third they're really good. Um, that's a, that's a shout there, boys. Boys, is there anyone this year just as we're in the nature of reviewing who's pleasantly surprised you? Um, I know Kovacic has definitely taken that title from me. Anyone who surprised you? I know Dan. I know Wait, Dan's take the floor, like, Dan. I know you. I know Dan's agenda is in full force. Nasty uh, guy, bro. But yeah, anyone, anyone apart from Ross Barkley, who's <laughs> <laughs> yo, Barkley hasn't surprised me. You're but, a nasty um, guy. That's your tiger. I remember. That's your tiger. Bro, you, you see work. You see me work. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Um, but I don't. I don't think I've got um, a candidate that has particularly surprised me. Um, thinking about it, no, I can't. I can't think of anyone. Tammy didn't surprise you. Well, look, I'll no. tell you. I'll tell. I'll tell you what, Dan. And this is where this is where the receipts are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you said. I know you say Barkley didn't surprise you, but one mm. of the questions on Premier League Eve from myself, Yasin James, to yourself, Daniel Sock. And everyone else was what is your biggest hope for the season? Now, hope I picked that word. Hope implies you're not really expecting it. Mm. Your biggest hope for the season, and, and this shows how strong the agenda is. So, hats off to you, really. But your first hope that you listed for the season is that we get preseason Barkley for the whole season. 
Blood carries on. That was your first thing you said. Got yeah. dropped, granted, you went last, so a lot of other people went with the whole, well, you know, top quality. But, but, but uh, yeah, you're, so yeah. you've been on the Barkley train from time. Oh, yeah. no, and, this is that yeah, Dan's been on Barkley for, yeah, I mean, like five, six, seven years, mate. Even longer. Right. Dan, but so like, Dan, 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 were you yeah. just forgiving of him before you realised that he's caught a Nigerian? But um, yeah, my hope was that he played number 10 for most of the season. And obviously that didn't happen because obviously uh, Lampard's boy Mount got that spot. So I was on the wall again looking back at the first game when Bartley played left wing for probably the sixth time in his whole adult career. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's okay. I think Barkley, do you know what you know my view on Barkley? I think Barkley, I think, has every attribute except for he's like a Wizard of Oz character, except for the brain. But um, but I think he's I think he's a good player. Um, and I think he might, I think he, I think Dan, he surprised you a bit watching back because the tone of what you were saying is raw. He's actually contributed in pretty much every appearance, isn't it? Isn't it a bit interesting though? Because I feel like. Throughout preseason, um, I'm almost certain, and Dan could probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Dan was saying that Barkley, if that if Barkley plays certain attacking midfielder, it um, will be fine in terms of the attack. The link b- between the midfield and the attack will be fine, and it was so disheartening. Like we're watching the live show, Manchester United versus Chelsea. It was so disheartening seeing Barkley get shifted out to the left. It was, I mean, I was so angry because it just didn't make sense. And I've seen Mason Mount play 10. So, you know, you just know what's going to happen. And you, you just felt there would be a chasm in midfield. And lo and behold, it happened. It's just, ah, uh, yeah, Frank's got that, that part of the midfield composition. Frank has got that terribly wrong all year. All year. It's been crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, yeah, I think let's let's get on to midfield straight after. But I think Bartley's a Bartley's an interesting one because one thing I will say about Bartley preseason, Bartley's become a little bit of an icon. But <laughs> he is almost the anti Hazard. He does seem um, he does seem to come back really in really good condition all the time, and he is like a quality athlete. Like he's he's good over five yards. He's very very strong. He's very very fit. Um, so it'll be interesting again with this sort of short preseason if he can be one of those players. I don't think they're risking Ruben, if I'm honest. Um, so I think he could. And obviously you've got the Pedro William issue where how much can you really sort of trust them when they're fair enough looking for their next move? So I think Barkley's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Just quickly, uh, Pels, Jermaine, Joe, anyone who's really sort of you weren't giving a lot of love in preseason. Um, that you think, you know what, fair play, they've done a the job? Tammy, I'd say probably. Um, I, I kind of, I really wanted him to do well, but I think I think it might have been after the United game. I just think he looked, he looked sort of massively kind of out of his depth. I mean, I know he had a he had a good shot that hit the post and, and things like that nature, but I, I was looking at him that game and thinking like, you know, he's, he's got a long way to go to to be a, a, someone who's going to contribute to this season. But I think certainly over the course of the season, he's been probably one of the main reasons that we are in the top four is, uh, is his goals over the course of the season, just his general performance level. But 
still think he's he's got plenty to do in terms of, of being a Chelsea number number nine and a sort of de facto yeah. starter going forward. But yeah, he's he's one that definitely I think, I think, um, I think as well. People forget. I think people really forget the the standard Tammy came into this season with. Again, yeah. again, there's receipts there that I'll reference in a minute. But um, after the Super Cup, um, I think it was kind of consensus like. Bless him, like, all right, put him on the bench now. Like, he's, he's tried. It's, it's been good. We don't know how he's going to react to the big misses and, and everything like that. And mm. just, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it. But he's come through so well. And at only 21 turning 22 in the season to be leading a line for a top club, um, he's shown massive maturity. Whether or not he needs to refine as a player, everything like that, I think, kind of like Mead said, when, when you look at these players as individuals and think about all the things that... Um, could go right and go wrong for them. I think Tammy's had a, an incredible year considering the circumstances. But Joe, when asked in Premier League Eve who were going to be the top scorers in order for Chelsea Football Club this season, Tammy was third for you. Giroud, Giroud was second. And yourself, Palumi and Meads all said that Batshuayi was going to score the most goals. It's a terrible um, shot. And I, and I even caveated it when I asked. I said, knowing what you know now, think about the game time. And the Batshuayi, the Batshuayi I don't know if it was like um, darkest before the dawn sort of stuff where it was back last chance where everyone was just like, nah, we're backing him now. Fuck it. No chance. No, no, uh, no matter. But yeah. And then Dan, Dan, you went with Giroud, um, where, which is the way I leaned as well. Um, I think that, but yeah, I think that was mainly due to the fact that we felt that Tammy was struggling, uh, especially in preseason as well. It wasn't looking great, um, and also after Super Cup and Manchester United um, struggled. So we just thought, okay, well, considering he's struggling, and considering Giroud is quite old and didn't play that much, won't play that much, um, we're gonna go the other guy, Michi. And we think generally anyway. And he and he got a lot of preseason minutes, Mitchy. So I think he was given yeah, that. That wasn't was, my reasoning. Still, that wasn't my, okay. Yeah, my reasoning no, was literally. I I remember like even us asking someone asking the question like if if we had one opportunity, um, in the final minutes to score, who would we want the chance to fall to? Yeah. And you said Mitchie. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. for me that on that basis it was like who is the best finisher, Mitchy? Who did I think was gonna it, it just made it made sense in that way. Um, I guess when he found himself out of the, out of the side early on, um, I guess we could have we could have then probably seen how the how the season was going to go for him um, yeah. in terms of minutes. But initially, as it initially it looked, I think in preseason with a lot of rotation, Giroud had come back um, a little bit later from what I remember. Um, with all of that in mind, I was kind of like, do you know what? He's like you said, yes, a bit. You've got it's a toss-up between them. So I kind of just went with what I, with who I thought was the best. What I found very interesting is I didn't really give many shouts because I was sort of hosting and posing the questions. But this podcast, Premier League Eve, is definitely where my Tammy agenda really started. Because although <laughs> I thought he was probably third in the pecking order, when people were laughing at me for putting him in my fantasy draft, I, was, I got my back up and I was just Team Tammy from that day on. <laughs> um, I won't lie. I won't lie. Um, do you, just quickly... Um, does anyone think Tammy would be in with a reasonable shout for young player of the year? No. Yep, certainly. 
Okay. <clears throat> According to Dan, on Premier League Eve, Tammy, you know he ain't going to win that shit. The agenda has started. <laughs> so, Dan, I'm going to let you... I'm going to let... That's a verbatim. And then I said if he wins it, I'll go to the, the ceremonial dinner for it. Dan, what are your thoughts now on, uh, on Tammy up top? Uh, um, it's pretty much similar. Um, I do that we would have been better with Giroud or Batshuayi's first choice, I personally. But um, I think at the same time, yeah, he should. I think he should be in with winning Young Player of the Year. Really? Like, no, I'm, I'm saying he should have a chance. I'm not saying that he. I'm not saying he should win it. I'm saying mm. yeah, he definitely has a chance. I'm not talking about. Um, Premier League young player of the year, but Chelsea young player of the year. Okay, Chelsea young player of the year. Oh, oh, right. yeah, I thought yeah, that's what yeah, yeah. was referring to. young player of the year, my mistake. Oh, wait, were you oh, talking yeah, about... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so were you talking about um, Chelsea young player of the year? Yeah, and Dan still laughed at that. Fam. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then, yeah, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the shouts for young player of the year, they they weren't original shouts, obviously, because like, we, we, we knew the list. Uh, Joe went Reese James. Yeah. Kalumi went Mason Mount, which, to be fair, I think Mason Mount's got a bit too much of a kick in this year. Yeah, um, yeah. He's been and uh, and Meads and Dan, although although Meads verbatim quoted yeah. Mount will impress this year because he's got the minerals. So Meads, he was in your thinking, Meads, but yeah. you and Dan both both went Hudson Adoy, yeah. and then in brackets here I've got. Tammy, you know he ain't gonna win that shit. I'm I'm offended for him, Dan. I'm Dan, you was bad, man. <laughs> I'm fuming. I'm fuming. Who who um who do we think now, looking back, has would would merit that sort of Chelsea Young Player of the Year? Um, I think it's I think it's a no-brainer now that it's between Mount Reese James and Tammy. Yeah, I think no, I don't think Reese James. He's not played enough for me. But I'd probably say, even though he's probably the most impressive out the lot of out the three, um, give it to Mount, innit? Probably give it. Uh, I'd give it to Mount. Hard. Maybe Mount. I don't know. I'd say Mount. Yeah, definitely Mount. Maybe man. Although Tammy has Tammy. scored the goals. Tammy scored a lot of the goals. He scored the goals until like probably Decemberish. But I don't know, man. I think Mason's start was very good. He then tailed off. I need to come back again. So, whereas Tammy's just completely fallen off. So, I feel like Mount had two highs, whereas Tammy had one. You know, you know what I find interesting about Mount is I think it says a lot about a young player in their first year mm. in terms of um, how much leash people give them. So, with Reese James, um, struggled against Bayern Munich and not, none of us really cared. Because it was kind of just like, yeah, well, it's his first real Champions League experience. So what are you going to do, you know? And then um, Hudson Adoy, yeah, he's had some really, really tough games this year. And again, like, there was a lot of contextualizing, and it was just like, well, look at the metrics, metrics, good for him. This is, this is. Um, Tammy, Tammy, I think, has done an amazing job and a really tough job. And I think the goals have got him the respect he's deserved from some quarters, not all, but. Even with him, there's he's playing a very difficult role. Number nine, what other twenty-two-year-old is being leading the line in the way he is? Like there is that contextualism. I think the support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. 
At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. The most impressive thing you can say about Mount's performances is he's being treated like a proper first team player and I don't know if that's just subconsciously we see that he is the level of a first team player and treating him accordingly but he's getting the least allowances for being relatively inexperienced and um and young um and I think that's just because of the maturity in his game and he's 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 judged differently I don't know what do you not think about that I think part of that is down to the kind of his involvement um, Tammy has has probably been in, involved just as much, if not a little bit less. But with Reese James and Callum, um, they've been—I wouldn't say on the periphery, but they've had like a lot less involvement in the in the squads, whether it be due to injury or rotation. Um, Mount started thirty-one games in you know Prem and in Champions League, and that says and that, a lot. That says and, a lot in itself. Exactly, exactly, and I think. And I think that's the reason why maybe it's, it's easier um, to look at him as that first team player because he he's a mainstay in the team. He plays in a variety of positions. He's almost to some extent come out of that um, that kind of number of games or that level of consistent consistency in terms of minutes where you actually where you can maybe pin some of the performances down to other things might just be that, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, Mount's had a bad, bad one today, but he's had a good one, you know, in two weeks, as opposed to it being because, you know, oh, he's, he's been rested or he's not being played as much. He's actually just had that, that consistency of minutes, and I think um, that's definitely played a part in how people perceive him. But he's also warranted, in my opinion, um, a lot of the starts. Um, and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not like a crazy super fan in, in, in the way that I maybe kind of have looked at other prospects. But he's definitely kind of earned my my respects. He was um, your player. Of, he was your young player of the year, shout. Yeah, no, I think I think that's because I think um, you should take this one, mate, because he's 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 your only win here, mate. No, it's just it's just more. It's it was more out of logic. I just kind of felt like he was gonna play the most out of all of them, um, based on based on a lot of stuff that happened at Derby, based on the comparisons. It just kind of it was too romantic to not make sense for him to play. Do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so I, I, that's probably why I, I gave it to him. Um, and obviously, he's a good player. Um, but yeah, I, I think with Matt, I think it was more to do with as well, like what he offers. Even sometimes when he when he's still having bad games, I think if you look at a lot of the other youngsters, if they're not doing their main job, they're kind of um, completely out of it. And I know when Matt's played ten, he's been ineffective a lot of the time, like when playing there. But um, in terms of his energy as well and what he gives the team, I think you notice, you still notice when Mount's not playing. Like, even like whether it be playing playing good or bad, like you, you see him pressing, you see his energy. And his, I think his, a lot of what he does is infectious as well around around the team and, and the players that are on the pitch. So I think as well, that's, that's probably contributed a lot to people appreciating Mount a little bit more. Because I think you've noticed a lot when, when Mount's not on the pitch in terms of, when that kind of energy and that pressing is is missing from the team, so 
that will probably just edge it for him as well in terms of maybe, um, you know, like who's probably one of the most valuable right now out of the youngsters that have come through so far. Flip Benelder, man, cheer up. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, just, I think he's I'm just good, upset. I think he's just upset that he's not saying the same thing about a certain Ghanaian winger. No, no, man. I think Mount. I think like Mount. Mount's been good. I think overall, but I think he's 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 obviously suffered from playing in a position that he, he shouldn't have been playing in. He, yeah, season, he's definitely he? been asked to do a job which, when yeah, it doesn't come true. off, yeah, and then when he plays in his position, he's not playing well. Yeah, exactly. So when he plays in his position, he's obviously he's playing, he's he's, he's producing like performances that we all know he can he can produce. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. Hopefully he plays in his position more so. Like what's, next, what's this next about? Season. What's this this whole position stuff? Is he? I don't get. I feel like because he's not a number. Because he's not a number. I don't feel like he. This number ten thing. I think Palumi. I think you're going to bring up the same sort of thing. I will bring up. So I'm going to let you roll at it. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I've seen a lot of people kind of speak about, um, you know, where he plays and where's his his most he's most influential and if he if he's influential like in the ten specifically. I think the the biggest issue with with him playing at the ten is more to do with like our structure out of possession. Um, in terms of like we we press he presses like a maniac. It's encouraged, obviously. Um, and and as a result of that, we have a like a kind of you know, a disorganisation sometimes in midfield. Um, but in terms of um, kind of when he was at his best, I feel like it was either him, uh, him kind of out wide. I think he, I think he's played some good performances in the third field in the three. Um, but in terms of like where he's produced the most, it's all been in the ten roll, whether it be as part of the kind of like floating forwards in the three four three or as a, as a singular ten. Whether or not that's the best way we should play him, whether or not he's the most creative, is a kind of another um, is another argument. But in terms of the quality of his performances, there, you had the Everton game there. His, the, the Leicester game we played, he played quite well. Um, I think Southampton, he played either at the ten or maybe or wide. He's kind of he's sim to me. He's he's done all right there. Um, but whether or not he is, he should be our ten is kind of another discussion. I think I think the. I think the thing that I think people are getting misconstrued is a position and a and a role. Um, and a position for me is where you are in a formation on a bit of paper or an average position on a pitch. And a role is the runs and the actions you're expected to do, right? And I think Mount as a 10 has massive potential. I think his link-up plays really nice. I think his movement's very savvy. I think he can play a range of passes in behind. I think he gets into the box well. But he's not being asked to be a 10, really, for me. He's being asked to be almost a striker, essentially. I think he's not really been asked to do much on the ball work in the pockets. I think if you look at average positions, and I know, I know Joe's not the biggest fan of those, but I think they're, they're worthwhile to a point. He's often beyond... Um, Tammy, because Tammy's sort of main, main action is come deep and set and hold, and Mounts is just get behind, get behind, get behind. Um, and Palumi, you just got it bang on, mate. When we were at our most vulnerable, um, which we'll get into a little bit more now in a bit more depth, we were basically playing 4 4 out of possession and having two midfielders who are really good players but not cut out for covering 60 yards of square space 
um, just alone because you had Mount just again ahead of ahead of Tammy, ahead of the wingers. So I just Everton at home before the break, he was much more withdrawn. The team were much more withdrawn, and I think that's where you did get the best out of him. But I don't think the position or the role changed that much. I think it was just it all happened 15, 20 yards deeper yeah. and he was allowed to be on the ball a little bit more. But just quickly, let's go for a few more um, shouts from August because it is fun to look back at these. I and mean, then what we'll do is we'll get straight into just deep dive on the season so far. Um, and I'll, I'll start us off with some numbers for that. So, gone through the strikers. Um, player who will start versus United first game of the season but be out of the rotation by the end. It's no shock for anyone that Dan put Tammy. Um, considering what's been revealed. Um, Joe Pedro, which has completely worked the other way, I think. And um, Azpilicueta, two votes. And just that guy is like a white walker. He's never, ever, ever going away. Um, biggest hope for the season. Joe, you're going to have to answer for this one, mate. I know I said hope and not prediction, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back, picks up a level or two, and he's captain in 2020-21. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an aggressive shout from me, I have to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just, I just, just, that just, was an aggressive shout. It's <laughs> 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 amazing looking at these ones, because uh, Meads is, is Loftus and, and Hudson-Odoi come back. Mies did sort of say they'd get into the Euro 2020 squad, but you've been saved by COVID there. But that's, that's all right. Uh, Dan wanted the Barclay form to, to carry on and he wanted Batshuayi to get running the team. I mean, I'm happy about that one. But, you know, it's just a little hope. Kalumi, really, really safe. Uh, young players showcase talent and make an impact. Great. Well done. You've had a great season there, Pels. Bang on. And I'll then... <laughs> and then... And then Joe says... Loftus Cheek comes back, and I thought, cool, cool, that's his, that's his hope. Picks up a level or two. I was like, yeah, fuck it, you never know. Captain next season, and I was like, every every still, it can still happen. It can still happen. <laughs> he went possible. <laughs> I have time. I've got time. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he went full J right there, man. He's got, he got nine games to do it. <laughs> oh, I would. I no, wouldn't even make a shout like that, man. Man said, fucking Ruben Loftus Cheek for captain. And do you know Wait, what? I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move on to the next one, Joe, because like I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know if you were just excited for the season or what. Because Joe, you're very um you're very measured. 95% of the time. So I, 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 I was very surprised listening to this. Biggest fear for this season, I asked people. And again, um Mead and Dan in perfect harmony, um, just they were worried about a bit too much bias. From Lampard towards the oh, and what happened anyway? Say no and and we and we did see uh, some may say bias, some may say loyalty. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 maybe has some some basis. Um, Dan, you bang on were a bit worried about the Champions League, and I think Bayern, Valencia, and sort of scraping with a group. I think that was a really good shout, and I think Lampard learned a lot from that. Hopefully, um, Palumi said. He fears that Lampard will find himself at an impasse. And all from now to August, I still don't know what that really means. Um, uh, emoji. Hmm. Emoji. Hmm. And had no obvious plan, which I think uh, 
you might have been onto something there, Pels, in in a in in the early parts of the season. But you're who I'm going to lead with when I start deep diving into the side. And then Joe again measured Joe, Mister Manage the Markets, Mister. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Manage the Market. It's like the worst Mr. Steal Your Girl ever. <laughs> Mr. Manage the Market. Mr. Amor Mr. Well, you never know. Said injuries will mean that we flop massively and we will finish mid table. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was concerned. <laughs> I, I looked at the team and I felt, you know, four, four or five big injuries. But then I suppose that, that that's really kind of at odds with my actual overall shout on where we'd finish. So I think yeah, maybe I was, I, over gap. We'll I, was a bit, I was I was a bit bit conflicted there. But yeah, uh, a bit conflicted. So one thing I found really interesting looking back is every single man had City to win the league. Um, Joe Joe said comfortably City, Pell's City, Mead City, Dan City, Jermaine. I don't want to leave you out, mate, as you were a late free transfer addition. But um, I just say you said City anyway. Fuck it. Um, I did as well. <laughs> there we go. Um, and Dan had Spurs second, so that really says just. I mean, on the one hand, you could say, "Oh, a bad shot," but for me, that just shows the capitulation that them lot have had this year, which was just mad. mad. Um, but do you know what? Listening back to that, part of the reason that we were so down on Chelsea, right? the famous, famous moment where Joe dared to say we'd finish fourth. And Palumi, I timed it, Palumi cried for <laughs> about a minute and 57 seconds. And then for the next two minutes, before he said anything, he was still calming himself down. So that was not a popular shout. Pels had us fifth, which is mad considering how funny he found fourth. But he had us fifth. Uh, Meads had us fifth. Um, Dan did not mention us in the top six. Your sixth place, Dan, was someone. Um, I mentioned Leicester just as a, someone who crashed the party, but I didn't think they'd necessarily finish third so they, or, or be third at current point. So they, they, they've done really well. Um, but just looking at this, Spurs capitulated and like we all, like Arsenal, have, I don't know, we might need to have a little co-pod with Hachi Gunas there because every single person in this seems to think Arsenal were top four, they splashed 70 million. And that does make me ask, okay, we're fourth at the moment. We don't know if we will still get fourth. I think it's, I think it's going to be so up in the air, this sort of fake season. How much of our position is down to Arsenal and Spurs' failings? And how much of it is down to us doing well in the circumstances? Um, I think I think we would be daft not to acknowledge that the kind of failures of, of other teams has contributed to us being in fourth place. Um, and not not because we're a bad side, but we have really, really, really been inconsistent. Um, we had a stretch of like six or seven games where we were... Um, picking up points and doing really well. And then since then... I think that stretch we even said, if we don't pick up points in that stretch, I, I know the one you mean, it was the one yeah. with the and the Brightons and the Villas before Christmas. Yeah. If we yeah. didn't get them out, that was the easiest stretch of the whole year. So that was a bare minimum. Yeah, So and, and with that, if and we kind of... we did, I think we did our jobs and at times, um, you know, I think we what surprised me probably was the Wolves win. Um, I didn't expect us to win in like in the way that we did or even win at all um mm -hmm. 
and that really kind of was a launch pad. But after that, those all of the I mean, like the Arsenal's, the United's, the the Spurs, like that kind of tier of teams, they've just been diabolical. Um and because of it, our failings, our shortcomings against West Ham's, Bournemouth's, Southampton at home, um, those sorts of fixtures, in addition to the ones that we've kind of, you know, maybe failed to beat Arsenal with ten men. We've we've had our we've had our fair share of crap results. Um and I think we we've been lucky in some regard that you know we haven't we, they haven't had the or the ability to kind of to to catch us out really. I think the momentum yeah. has definitely been helped a bit by the the luck of the Lampard as well in terms of it feels like every time we did drop a point someone else did as well. Um, points, yeah. which, which crazy can, though, man, mate. Which can do a lot mentally. I think if if those weekends we were dropping them. All of a sudden, we were two behind, three behind, and out. I don't think we've actually have we left the top four all year just because of the same people dropping points at the exact same time. I don't I know. I wouldn't be shocked if we hadn't, you know. So I think that's that's an interesting one as well. Um, and then lastly, in terms of the shouts, and I think this is an interesting one, and I think this might sort of settle people a little bit in terms of the next question. But Joe, all you wanted as a qualifier for a good season was foundation set. An identifiable playing style, young players established, uh, move aggressively in the market, win a cup. You've done it again, mate. Like you started really well, and now I'm seeing <laughs> aggressive in the market. Win a cup. I get carried away, man. I, 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 I'm so happy that preseason. I was like, I'm so happy Lampard's here. I really didn't like Starry. There's like a massive conflict, and then I'm like, build it slowly. And at the end, I'm like, we're gonna win the World Cup. There's gonna be an international tournament. We're gonna win that. But yeah. I was just reading my note on it, and I was like, foundations, playing style, young players, established. Yeah, Joe's back. Move aggressively in the market. Win a top, top four. Proven for captain. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, man. Um, I, it's not that far off. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it's just the cup. It's just just the just the cup. Just the cup. Ruben's still got time. Um, I was wanted courageous managerial decisions, flexibility. Um, and to be fair, I mean, I think. We've definitely seen flexibility, and he, he, whether he's got things wrong or right, I think Lampard has been brave, um, which is also what Meads wanted. Meads said he wanted Lampard to be brave, and Meads went as far as saying he'd be happy without top four if he just does his own thing, but dies by his own sword, which I think he's definitely been his own man. Palumi, you wanted to set foundations to have a go. I thought you were the tactics truck, and you on this, you just wanted to have a go, bruv. Bruv, I had really low expectations. So having a goal was like the bare minimum for me. Fair play, fair play, fair play. And um, Dan just wanted the best players on the pitch. Jermaine, as, as someone who wasn't able to, to give these shouts early on, um, how have you found this season, half season, three quarter season, in terms of standing up to your expectations that you had coming into the year? Positive, negative, just about expected. Is there anything that surprised you? What are you most happy with? No, I think um, given obviously that Lampard was was so inexperienced when he came in, I wasn't expecting him to like, you know, get us to like second or third or anything like that. And then obviously the whole thing with the transfer ban. Um, I didn't actually think we were going to be in that much of a bad bad way. Like considering that we had the transfer ban, that was like I never really thought that. Obviously, because I'd seen a lot of the players and I was happy that people like Ruben were probably going to get a chance. But obviously, them, him and Cho being injured was a bit of a, um, not like, it was a bit of a setback. But just generally about the squad, I wasn't too, I wasn't like negative about that. 
I just kind of, I didn't feel like we had enough to finish top four. So I, I, I wasn't, in my mind, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been surprised if we'd finished top four. So I'm not surprised to see us in now. But in terms of where I thought finish, I think it was, I, I always thought it was going to be like, top, um, like fifth or sixth anyway. But I was, I was just glad. The main thing I was, I was happy about was that the young players got their chances. And um, what was even better, obviously, was that players like Mount and Tammy, James, they've all shown exactly why they should, they should have been given a chance and, and why they can be kind of like our future our future stars in it in in the team so i think yeah man i'm i'm generally happy with with how the season has gone but i also know as well like Pearl said that you can't really ignore how lucky we've been in terms of the way people have been dropping points in and around us like every time we've dropped points like united or arsenal spurs have dropped points even all three of them on the same day at times which is just crazy so um yeah, I'm just kind of glad that the season don't really mean nothing really. So Lampard can just um, carry on after his little work experience. And I think I think it is, it, is, it is good that <laughs> he's had his work experience year with a transfer ban and with COVID. So he's really got away with any... Uh, if he was to have a shit out, he's really got away with too much scrutiny for it. Palumi, I know you were one who... Your, your, your fear was that there'd be no plan, right? And... Um, I know early in the season you weren't happy with the football. Now we could get into a big hmm discussion about what is good football, but it's not a dickhead. <laughs> but mm. hmm, but are you happier now? Do you think the football's improved more objectively than improved? Do you see a uh, a plan for use of a better word? Do you see what Lampard is objectively trying to achieve on the pitch? Yeah, um, and I think I think it's important to like note that is there is remnants of something, whether or not I necessarily agree um, regularly with how it's like being deployed. I think that um, the one I've like been watching a few games back just because of this today, and um, one thing I have noticed is like the the main key like facet of our game is crossing. That's a big big thing for us. Um, whether it be kind of the wingers out wide, which is very rare. Um, or the fullbacks, which is a lot more common, um, or wingbacks when we change the shape. I think the crossing, like him wanting to get bodies into the box and get quality delivery in, is a massive thing, and that's that's typically what we're um, what we're aiming to do. I think the the pressing um, early on, and I watched a lot of games from like the first kind of four to six weeks, um, so just August to September time, the pressing was really really disorganised. That that was my kind of real gripe early on in the season. Um, like the Norwich, the kind of the way Norwich screw us, um, that was because of just seemed to be like a little bit of half-hearted pressing, someone not necessarily knowing when to go. Um, our line of engagement was kind of changing on who we were playing. Um, so I feel like there was a bit of confusion there. But in terms of the in terms of the the kind of emphasis, the emphasis early on, Leicester game, um really was to kind of to win the ball as high as possible. And I think over time, um, that, that line of engagement dropped a bit and we became a little bit more balanced. Um, like when we played City, for instance, we didn't play with that same sort of like um, kind of hunger to win the ball back. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, that, I think there's a, there, is, there is some things there. Part of the issue that I'm finding in terms of the quality of football is also down to what I feel is like the lack of quality of the players in the key areas um, 
that we really want to exploit. Where do you um, think, if you were to pick two of those key areas, which um, two, if they were um, changed to, to better quality, would make the biggest difference for you? So I think the, I think the fullback area is really important, specifically the left fullback area. Um, we, we, it's an issue when Azpi plays, but less so when Reese James plays. Um, and I just think Emerson and Alonso, for all their, their like, technique, their consistency of delivery and what they actually offer sometimes is, isn't really at the standard that you need it to be. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then I, I think the other thing is probably, it just link, again, it's quite linked to wide play. I think we need an, an, an out-and-out winger. Um, I think my, my views of how kind of Callum Hudson-Odoi plays, how Pulisic plays, how William plays, how Pedro plays, they've all kind of, they've just developed like over the course of the season specifically because we're looking to them, those roles specifically for a lot more. And I don't think we've had it from, from any of them. Um, and I, it's forgivable with Pulisic and forgivable with Hudson-Odoi, but less so with, with the other two, albeit Pedro's like, been heavily injured and not really been involved. Um, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say I want a pure winger just based off of one of our, our biggest issues is obviously breaking down the low block team. Um, and I think someone that is really aggressive in committing defenders, um, Callum has that ability, but is just a lot more refined and doesn't take as many risks with his dribbling. Um, I think if- The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. We had someone that could really just you know, open up the game in that way. Um, that would kind of make that would make our our attack more dynamic when we're playing against um, the low block teams. I think Ziyech solves one of the problems that one of the other problems we have in terms of the lack of creativity. Um, I, I get that Barkley. I've been seeing seeing it in Barkley, but I just don't think he's that good. Um, so because of it, again, I don't expect when when we play against those teams setting up that he's going to be the person to necessarily unlock the door. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that Ziyech has that capacity and he, and he does that. And um, So, yeah, for me, for me, it's a, the main thing is the kind of wingers. Me, me and Jermaine, as a president of the Ziyech fan club, assure you that he does. He's, he's going to be all your dreams and more. Don't worry about it. Yeah, bro. One, one million percent. Bro. You've seen the pictures, fam. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's definitely an unlocker still. He's definitely yeah, he's just ready. last one, Pearls, just quickly. If you were to sell one of the left-backs, would you keep Emerson for being a bit more rounded, a bit quicker, can do a bit better defensively? Or would you keep Alonso just because he's a specialist and he can do what no other real left-back can do? And as a second choice, when you need someone to just get on the end of something, he's your man. Which what way would you go? Because I think it's quite a unique... Uh, Conundrum. I think, link you. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to sound mad, yeah. Because I really, 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 really can't stand... Um, 
Marcus Alonso sometimes. But I do think that in terms of that flexibility that Lampard shown, if he does want to keep kind of persist with this three four three, then it would make more sense to have him in the squad than it would to have Emerson. And I'm I with you Emerson... on that, and I can't believe I, I can't believe I am with you on that. But I actually am. Yeah. You man are sick. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I hear it. You I do actually sick. hear it. You don't know how much I hate Alonso. You know, like Emerson and keep Alonso. I think, I think, and then Jermaine, this is one for you, bro, because I think Joe's alluded to this as well that he kind of sees the future of football as being a 16 person game. This five sub rule, I think, is a little trial to see. The flexibility um, Alonso gives you, man. I don't, I think it's hard to deny that he the more, the more difficult it gets and the finer the margins are between success, no, I think really. having <laughs> two <laughs> left backs, let's no. say we get... Technically, uh, he's very, very right, sloppy. Or, or Technically, whoever. he's very, very right. like, lax. Having two left backs who are both good at everything and decent at everything, okay, it's great. It's like for like, it's just that and the other. But Jermaine, like, Alonso is a atrocious defender. And he is the slowest man in a squad with Jorginho. And he is all these things that we know him to be. But Jermaine, if you are one down and Alonso's on your bench and there's space popping up on our left wing... You're putting him on. You're putting him on. You're putting him on. He's the best, he's the best during our squad. Bro, man's got a brace against that? Bournemouth. Listen, you need this? to take him in. Listen, it's not by accident. What? All right, I hear you. I hear you, man. But hear what I'm saying. This guy is an actual <laughs> calamity, bro. Are you man not hear it, bro? This, the disgust on Jay's face is killing me. <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. The anger. You man not the This is what. This is. Hear what man says. The main. Wait, 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 This is personal, fam. <laughs> this guy has had bad rattles for three seasons, and you man want to bring him. You man want to keep him. Are you not all right? And your and your excuses. He's our best striker. The brother's the left back. And yeah, but he's to keep him. No, no, no. But he's the best striker. You know, nah, so not, you know what? He's positionless. He's positionless. He's an impact man. An impact player. No, but no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. All I want, all I want to replace Alonso is someone faster. Alonso, man. That's all I care. I don't care. <laughs> you, got that, you got that in Emerson already. Oh, but this is this is yeah, what's funny, though. Yeah, we keep Emerson. Man. Uh, yes, this is what's mad, though. Yeah, we're, we're kind of let's let's rethink. This is crazy because if we want a player that's going to make an impact, surely we don't want it to be a left back. <laughs> when it comes to looking but, at things, the guy does not have a position. The guy does not have a position. I'm just saying. Pels is worse. Pels, you're, you're not. Nah, I fully no, get it. Do you know what it is? I, I get, get it. it. I fully you get the argument. Keep Alonso. No, because yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, not as a fan, but genuinely, like, if I had a, if I had a dilemma and I had to pick a team, um, who would I, I, you just want variation in your squad. You don't want, I think like for like doesn't work. I think we've had it um, in, you know, not, not so much that it doesn't work per se with, um, as P and, and Reese James, but to some extent, when the conundrum comes to kind of, you know, we want to change the shape or we want to do something different, um, we, we're lucky that as P can fit in as a right centre half. So you have that ability to be a little bit flexible. I See, think I think a good way to put that, and I'm with you, is 
if you have a left back who's not doing anything down the left and you've got no attack, then putting on a left back with the exact same qualities or similar qualities isn't exactly going to change that fact. So, boy, anyway, listen, I'm not, I don't want to upset Jermaine. Listen, this is just an open question now. I'm going to throw, yeah, I'm going to throw some, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. And then open question, and I just want the debate to be how good a job has Lampard done and are we confident in him solidifying our style of play moving forward? So just some numbers that I looked at, just looked at some stats. I didn't have too many advanced advanced metrics, but when you do look at those, we, we're, we're, we're quite good at winning the ball high. Um, we are quite good at moving the ball quickly. We move the ball through midfield pretty well, to be fair. Um, but the ones I do have is, is this, and I just want to have a little listen and then open discussion from you, man about the quality of the job Lampard's done and what we can expect for the rest of this season, next season, and just how confident we are in it moving forward. So, total passes. And the only reason I went with this is because, although in isolation it doesn't mean much, I think it shows a lot of intent, total passes. It shows, from a coach to a team, I want you to keep it, pop it, move it about, stretch them. I think total passes shows a bit of intent. Chelsea, third, only behind Liverpool City. Total shots per game. Again, not the quality of them isn't so much, but 16 and a half. Second behind City, ahead of Liverpool. Of those 16 and a half, nine and a half are in the 18-yard box, about 55%. Joint second with Liverpool for that. About 7% are in the six-yard box, and about 35, that one made me a bit, they're outside the box. But, but nine and a half... There we go. Nine and a half shots in the box per game. Nine and a half shots in the box per game. Joint second with Liverpool. Interceptions per game. Interceptions per game. 12.5. Second. Second to Bournemouth. Liverpool Liverpool and City are actually in the bottom three for that. That's all Jordinho. Do you want to know why that is? Basically... That's all Jorginho's work. All Jorginho's But listen, all I'm saying is I think these, I think these are interesting because they give you an idea. Like, they give you a picture. If we're intercepting the ball this often, Jorginho is, Jorginho is uh, quite... He's high on, for DMs in the league with this. I think he might be the highest in the league. Definitely amongst top six DMs with the same amount of ball. Um, and then I think it shows that, like Palumi alluded to, that the pressing's got better. And we, we, we get high ball recoveries quite effectively now. It's decent. 12.5, second in the league, interceptions per game. Liverpool and City aren't near that because they clearly are valuing a different defensive approach. Liverpool are sitting a bit deeper and countering if, if they don't win it immediately. And um, Pep just fouls anyone if they're getting near the halfway line. So, yeah. And then this one, just as a bit more, bit more quality in third, XG... 56. Actual goals, 51. XG against, 31. Actual goals against, 39. So, it's the Kovacic thing. We're doing, we seem to be doing the right things in between both boxes. And I think there's a Kepa element, obviously. He's, uh, we're bottom of the league for saves. I think there's an element of he's, he's very exposed from the way that we pressed early in the season. I think that skewed his stats a little bit. But if you look, if you take the expected goal difference for us, we're comfortably third. 
and not far off City at all. Um, and, and not too far off Liverpool, who've had a freak season where Alisson saved everything and um, Mane and Salah finished everything. Um, just hearing those things, I think I'm not saying that they're gospel, I'm not saying that they're, they're the best stat in the world, but I think they definitely paint a picture about what is happening and players are being asked to do. So with that in mind, how confident are you this star moving forward? And all in all, how happy are you with the season so far? Job Lampard's done so far, the lot of it. Have a fracas. Off you go. I think um, just to, to, I mean, just to, to lead, I think that the the main thing for me is that it it alludes to the fact that we lack quality. Um, in that, if you're if you're underperforming your xG, yeah. it means you're not finishing your chances. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're kind of, if there's that kind of differential in in the expected goals conceded, then it means that the players that we have on the pitch, whether it be the keeper, um, the DMs, the centre halves, they're not affecting you know the um, the kind of chances that we're we're conceding well enough to kind of stop a lot of the nonsense that has been happening. And I think that comes with Genuinely, I do think um, we we have some areas to address in the transfer market. I think it's it would be unrealistic to to get all of those areas um, sorted in one in one window. But there needs to be a thought process about um, you know about us going forward. But I think maybe something that we we don't consider as much. I think Kepa in isolation. Yeah, we we obviously people have their their reservations, myself included. But we don't really pinpoint the defence enough. Um, the defense, uh, and I know um, Joe's had a lot of stick for it, but I do think to some extent his his you know feelings about our, our DM situation. I think they hold a lot of weight now, having kind of watched a few games back. Um, Thank you. So yeah, I'd I'd like to see if changing <laughs> um, changing the profile of of some of the some of the squad really significantly impacts that um, and and makes those gaps a little bit smaller. Because if it does, then I think we're we're going to be a lot better in the long run for it. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with that as well. Now, go on, yeah. Oh, it was me. Quickly, I want to say, we lost David Luiz. Oh, yeah, we lost David Luiz. If the pod before, um, the, the, the pre-first game, I said we would finish top four. I think um, you know, most people said we'll finish top four. Then we lost David Luiz, mm-hmm. and that's when we became kind of worried. Uh, so we our defense was messed up, and then also when you when you think about his choices for our attack, that's what I was worried about in terms of finishing. Yeah, we had shots, we don't have great finishers. So I feel like um, Lampard is going to try and buy better finishers, and probably. But remember, so throughout the season, I remember Pels and um, Dan in particular, um, and and yes, to be honest. Were very downtrodden about Lampard. Hold on, my ears, my ears are perked up. Where's very this downtrodden about Lampard, saying that there was no plan. We've got a PE teacher involved. Blah, and, that's, yeah. that's and I was saying, and I was saying, nah, you can see what he's trying to do, you, and you could. I generally felt you could I, see what Frank no, was I could, trying to do. I could see what he was trying to do. I, thought, I thought it was. You very, very. foundation level, basically. You thought I thought, it, I thought it was amb- no. I thought it was ambitious because I thought 
He's trying to, the whole two-man midfield that can't run and he's doing this four-man press and rare tear tear. At first, I did think, yeah, he's, he's naive here. I don't know what he's doing. But by the turn of the year, by the turn of the year, I held my hands up and I said, you know what? He does seem to be learning from games. And I'm fuming at when COVID hit because the Everton game at home, I, saw, I, was, I was like to myself, look, he's playing a 4-4-2 with Tom Davies and Andre Gomez in the middle. I said, he has to do these things to win the midfield battle, and he, and he did. And I was at Spurs at home, um, and he, was, he set up the team really well. And I, I was near the dugout and saw the little changes he was making. And I think he's grown as a manager so much this year. Um, it, it, it sounds like you're on board. It's like Gary Cahill backtracking for any striker attacking him at the moment. I'm on board. I'm on board because I think Jody's got in his ear. And, uh, <laughs> you are disgusting. Yes. You yes. are disgusting. Oh, my God. <laughs> the agenda that he's been boiling all season. Jody's, Jody showed him all the notes from his pro licence and youth award and you're all that. You're a little dickhead. You're a disgrace. <laughs> Was cussing him out all season. Oh, now he's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I saw him work <laughs> in HD. So now it's like, I'm, I'm on board now still. To be, and in HD. <laughs> to be fair, I think with me on that, like, I'm, I'm very critical because um, I just think it's, it's important. If, if I sometimes feel like if it's not obvious, then, which is probably not the right way to think, but if it's not obvious for us to see, then, then you know, the players are struggling with, with getting it. And I think the the biggest thing that I was seeing um, or the biggest things I was taking issue with was really just the pressing and the disorganisation in that way. And I, and I was conceding as the, probably as as he was becoming more agreeable um, or his decisions were rather, that was kind of when I was, I was maybe more on board. Um, and I probably just struggle with that generally. Like if I don't agree with the way that, that the team has been played, the Conte stuff, I'm a little bit like, no, nah, fuck it, I'm not trying to hear it. So, um, yeah, I, I think I agree with Yasin that he's, he's definitely made and I think, improvements I think, over the course I think of the season. The point that me and Dan would always be on about as well is one of the things that I was just like, what are you doing? Is the, the early kind of ostracising of Louise, yeah. Pedro, Giroud, yeah. and it just being a bit like, what, you're in your first year in the Prem, bro, you're going to need those guys. Yeah. And I think, I think again, he recognised that and changed... Yeah. Before it got too late, and I think he started, he used Giroud really well um, by the end, and and I think he'd hold his hands up as well. To be honest, I think I was probably harsh at times, but I definitely think he turned it around rather than um, I should have just backed him from August. Yeah, yeah to I be fair to him though, to, to be fair, he he's admitted his wrongs. So the Pedro and Giroud thing, he's definitely admitted his wrong. But it was the first thing that I, I noticed that he'd do this. I knew he would ostracize people. Simply because I, he wants to give the young players a chance. So I had a feeling he'd marginalise the older lot. I had a feeling, and that was... So remember in the preview, <clears throat> the season preview, um, I was saying I, I just hope he doesn't, doesn't have that bias, the squad bias. Because I had that feeling. I had that feeling that he would do it. And he's I so lucky. As well. to be, but to he's be so lucky. Fair, no, but to be fair, I think... So again, even... like I agree with what Dan was saying. Um, Obviously, I don't, I, we can't predict how, how the season would have went, but um, based off of kind of watching some of the games, um, early on after Tammy, Tammy didn't score and struggled a bit, obviously Giroud, Giroud came in and started the game against Leicester, um, started the, the Super Cup game. And I, I literally said to myself, like, 
what we saw in the Spurs game, what we saw in the Everton game, um, that like those sorts of games where Giroud was making an impact, setting the ball off, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That was actually evident in the games that we watched. What I think really was the was the kind of the nail in the coffin for Giroud is that Tammy bagged, and when he bagged, it just meant that he had enough equity for mm-hmm. him for um for Lampard to kind of lean with him. It's so difficult to how do you tell someone to score a hat trick that you're not starting? Yeah, you know what I mean, and, yeah, and I think, the I think and the Wolves goals. Bruv, and he, and he, he scored against Sheffield. He scored against um, Wolves, Norwich, all in that kind of consistent um, in that same period. And I think he just proved to to a lot of people that he was capable of that Tammy was capable of doing it. And and with that in mind, it made it made a lot more sense just based off of that to start Tammy. You see, um, it, yeah. from, from a footballing perspective, like now again, now we're kind of revising it and, and looking back. Watching, watching Pedro and Aspi whip the ball into to Giroud's chest and he chests it down and someone hits the side netting off of that. That's kind of what we've been capitalising and benefiting off, you know, three months later. Um, yeah. But within that time, Tammy, Tammy's done his thing. So it's, it's so, it's difficult to kind of, to say, you know, actually you should have dropped him. I, I mean, obviously Tammy does score in clumps and there maybe could have been more rotation. Um, That's what I was going to say. such a tough one, yeah. That's what I was going to say. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that Frank necessarily got the handling of Tammy in that phase wrong. I think he got that pretty much right. But my issue was, you can't completely ostracise and put someone like, out of contention. And I felt that's what he did with Giroud. Like, he was completely out of the picture. And it's okay. Tammy's your guy. Tammy's your number one. That's not a problem. But when there are games where you're clearly seeing that Tammy's struggling in the sense that, just in terms of fitness and fatigue, Rest him. You then bring in another person to play. But I don't think he did that. And I understand because you see a player, a young, hungry player, first full proper season at Chelsea in the Premier League, and he's hungry, you know. But I'm pretty certain that Frank, especially in his younger career, um, younger part of his career, that that kind of hunger needs to be curbed. So you don't burn out, you don't get injured. So, and that's what eventually happened to Tammy. So, I think he could admit that he handled that quite um, wrong, it, it, slightly, yeah. not incredibly wrong, but to a degree, he he handled it quite poorly. But he, he got. Frustrated. I think. I think if you go off as well, like the history of the club in terms of what they've been doing with the youth, I think someone like Lampard, who's been there for the whole time and, and seen everything pan out for the youth, I think. Um, that also probably kind of crept into to, to some of his judgment in terms of the way he was treating them. Because remember, he's watched them get, you know, like knocked back so many times, like seeing all these players that should be coming through, should be getting game time, not getting game time. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to remember as well, his assistant manager is Jody Morris, who's also been coaching these players. So when you're like, I don't even think anybody should have been surprised by the bias or the, the overplaying mm-hmm. of some of the players. Obviously, obviously it's, it's something that shouldn't be happening and you don't want players like Mount or Tammy to be getting overplayed or, you know, overworked to the point where they get, you know, playing on injuries and silly stuff like that. Like, that's poor judgment, I'm not going to lie. But in terms of why he kind of went with that angle in the first place, I completely understand it because these guys are, like me said, these guys are hungry and they've got a desire to play for Chelsea, to play for the shirt, do you know what I mean? So he just wants them to literally bag as much minutes as they can now because he just sees it as it's their turn now. You see what I'm saying? But you could do both, Jermaine. You could do no, both. No, no, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, and that's, that's my thing. And we want this bullshit bias and stuff like that. Look, um, mm. 
And I think now that obviously Tammy wants a new contract. Maybe he wants a new striker in. It's going to be a bit difficult getting a new striker because now you've given Tammy uh, a first role. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's a halfway house. It doesn't have to be extremes. It's like with Sari. Sari is one extreme. Don't play the youngsters. You don't have to go to the other extreme. That's just my thing on it. No, yeah, 100. You're, you're, uh, you're definitely right about it. Like I said, I don't think it was, it was right, but I, I completely understand where that comes from. Because you've got to remember, like, like I'm saying, Lampard played in teams where he might have seen these youngsters getting knocked back. So now that he's the manager of them, he's like, yo, like, this diet ain't happening under me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, look. So I, I think that's what it is. I hear you, but at the same time, look, I'm all about getting the best players on the pitch, yeah? And more often than not, they might be the young player. But as long as it's helpful for the team and not counterproductive, I think that some decisions he's made to be, to be honest, no, no, I can't. I couldn't label it. I couldn't say, okay, you know what, Frank, you've got it entirely wrong by picking certain young players to play. Because I feel like most of them have flourished, to be honest. I think Mount's flourished. I wouldn't say he's been amazing consistently, but you want to give a, a, a player a run. And in one hand, I can't complain about giving opportunities and giving players runs in the side, but then at the same time complain that, okay, you know what, you're being biased toward young players. So I get it. I get how, it. How, how how do you lot think Lampard has handled um, difficult moments of the season, difficult results, difficult injuries? Um, injuries, I don't think he's done well. I, I'll say it straight. I think he's handled injuries quite poorly, in my opinion. In terms of difficult results, are you are you referring there to rushing people back, me, yes. or just rushing people, people back? He he keeps doing it, and I can't stand it. This literal, the COVID break has been a godsend for every injured player at our club because I, you remember the pod, but when um, Ruben got announced in the squad, we were like, yeah, this is amazing, but I kind of don't want Ruben to play because you just, you knew what Lampard was on. He was, he was like ready to just thrust anyone in and I, I'm not on that. So in terms of handling injuries, I don't think that's been good. But in terms of, yeah, no, injuries, no. But in terms of difficult moments and difficult periods, I think he's actually come... <sighs> okay, in, in relative terms. Because relatively, we've been dropping points like crazy, but our rivals have been dropping points as well. So you haven't really felt if he's actually coped with the difficult periods well or not. Um, because obviously you've lost to Southampton, lost to West Ham. Um, again, the draw against Arsenal. But he's also had very, very good performances after bad ones, I guess. So, I think he's done all right. I won't say he's done amazingly, but he's done all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Considering um, yeah. his first season, I, I think he's done all I right. You know, even when you look at some of these games, though, and like I saw, like even, for example, the Bournemouth draw, like I was watching it just before we came on. And, and even in those games, though, I feel like, some of these moments have been called bad, like when we lose, like, or I can't remember whether we drew or lost to Newcastle like last minute or whatever. But like, I look, I watch the games as well, and it's like we should have wrapped up the game. We should have wrapped up the game. We should have wrapped up the game. So, so you're coming back. Every man's coming back to Lampard, and I, and it is his fault. But, no, it's not. It's like, not. Partly, it's partly, partly his fault. Partly. His fault. No. Well, but why didn't we wrap up the games? That's what's fault. Because, yeah, because the man that was on the pitch. That's what I'm saying. If you're gonna back him. And you're going to play Mount and Tam and 
what's his name? You saw that attack. When you see Mount Tammy and Quillian in attack, there's not much goals there. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. No, I hear you, but at the same time, you can't really complain if Tammy starts. You can play two strikers. Like, I, I, I get you guys are trying to give him an out. What I'm saying is, from the beginning no, of the season... Not even an out. Not okay. even an out. Not here okay, but here. from the beginning of the season, we knew there was an attacking issue. Dan right. doubting he's passionate now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, all positive. I get the positive, positive. You talk about the fact that you talk about the fact that we have loads of shots, but we don't score. Yeah, of course, that's what we said at the beginning of the season. You have to pattern it. Like you talk about the fact that we're crossing loads into the box. Why isn't Giroud playing? These are all decisions the manager makes. Agreed. I don't, I don't... Like, sorry, I agreed yeah, on that. Yeah, but I think it's this. Is what I'm saying. I think I think like the. It's hard to you have to balance the the results, or, or rather, I guess maybe it's just about the the method and not necessarily the outcome. Um, the outcome was that Tammy happened to be scoring the goals, but the method of how we were scoring them and and who was probably best best suited to play in that way is probably Giroud. Like I completely agree with that. It's just the the balance of of us being in, in fortunate positions. At the same time, there's definitely times when 100% Giroud should have should have been playing more. Um, and I'm not. And I get, for me, this is hindsight because I'm not necessarily Drew's biggest fan. I don't like when Mitchie was coming in and Mitchie wasn't doing too well. Um, you know, equally, I didn't ever really bat an eyelid. I was just like, yeah, Drew's like not that great either. Do you know what I mean? So I guess revising it um, and looking at it back, I see that Drew probably was or probably is still the the best candidate to lead the line for us um, based off of off of what we want to do. Um, but I get I get what you mean, Dan. I don't I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think being being supportive is, is is not even supportive, but being positive in these elements is ignoring that, though. Do you know what I mean? I, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I just need to give the other side of the story. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, so. but I think everybody sees... I think a lot of people see the other side of the story, but I think it's hard to ignore when you've got players that have shown that they can bang goals, and then when they're getting the chances, they're not banging them, and are saying, oh, he shouldn't start. It don't make sense. Like... Tammy's banging some serious goals. Like his, his goals are not some joke goals. Like they weren't just all tapping. Yeah, they were serious goals. So like, you can't really complain when Tammy's starting up front. Like I don't, like cool. He he went through a dry patch, but Giroud came on and he had like one of the most shocking games I've ever seen this season. So it's like cool. Man can say, oh, he had that, he that game was shocking because he he was like um, frozen out or whatever. But that that that's not necessarily true. He could have went on to have two free shockers. You see what I'm saying? So, like, so we're, going, we're just going off the back. Considering the personnel, then Jermaine is the same, and this is for everyone really. How confident are we now going into this little final six week phase? Two games a week, I believe. Um, so we'll see about that. I think the, 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 the edges of the squad are going to have to really be used. We have no idea what the Pedro or the Williams situation are like. Um, Giroud and Caballero have been extended in terms of their contract for a year. Um, William and Pedro, we'll see. I don't see them extending, if I'm honest. Um, if they have sort of offers on the table from other people, why are they going to risk an injury? Um, Ruben, probably not fit. Kante choosing not to take part for health reasons, which is well within his rights to do. He's trained today, apparently. Did he? Okay. Yeah, he's trained. Um, because I, oh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll see about how that one goes. Um, how confident are we now moving into this final phase of the season? Considering that other teams will probably get players back as well. Um, we will probably not see Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi, 
William and Pedro are very up in the air. Um, it's it's a funny one that we're going into. Um, Pulisic, I assume, is fit now at least. How confident are we going into this final stretch? Um, Jonathan Hudson or Ruben? I don't look. I think Ruben for one. I, don't, I think I think the I think the Hudson one. I think obviously the the the, the headlines have been. Um, They've only they haven't been followed up. There's still there's still questioning to happen on that situation until yeah. in, in the middle of June. So that and I think that falls straight on the the eve of the start of the league. So I think that more than anything else will potentially play a part. Ruben, I just I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, you think he's as fit as everyone else. I was gonna say with Ruben, it's just you. You're just nervous because it's Ruben. That's what I'm trying to say. Because Bounce forward with Comcast Business. Help your business bounce forward today with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Ruben's been fit since what? I think Feb? Like declared fit since Feb. You're yeah, just but he's never, ever, this guy's not been fit for 10 years. Look at this guy. Like, yes, See? Like, like, the real like, you yes, showing yes, now, yes, bro. This is where I stand on Ruben Loftus-Cheek, yeah? For me, Ruben Loftus-Cheek is potentially the best player in our squad. Yeah. But for me, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has shown no evidence that he will ever play a full season of men's football till this point. So I don't know what the situation is with that. And I think relying on him, I think it's safe to say he's not going to be captain in August. All right, Joe, don't I have it. Joe. <laughs> he still has like nine games. Let, let's be clear on that. Yeah, we've, we've got the FA Cup to play for. And my, my shouts are st- they're still on. They're definitely still available. Joe, how, how confident are you going into this last stretch then, mate? Just as we round up, just for everyone to just sort of say where they, where they stand now. I mean, it's it's really tough to benchmark yourselves against other teams. I mean, I know people have got players coming back, but um, we, we, we were looking at sort of like Harry Kane sort of coming back and the condition that he's come back into play. I think everyone's going to be in the same boat. You you won't know really the the sort of trajectory of the teams for maybe two, three games. Mm-hmm. Um, like anecdotally, some of the, the chats I've had with people about Ruben is that he's, he's a lot further along now than what people kind of envision. So I do think he'll take a part in in games, I don't think he'll be starting for a while, but certainly, you know, available on the bench. And with this sort of five substitutes will come in, I think that it's it's probably a fair expectation to see him play a little bit towards the end of the season, depending how his, his, his sort of match fitness holds up. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still expect us to, to come fourth. I, I think that the the kind of, you know, the, maybe all the momentum has kind of dipped from those last couple of games that we played that was pretty strong. But I look at the guys that are coming back. I think uh, Jay had it right. It looks like Kante was back training today and there's been some sort of steps forward in him playing again. Um, Pulisic is back. If, if Hudson Adoy is back, I think that we've we've got key players coming back at the right moment. I think we've we've rested key players, Tammy being one. Um, there are a lot of players. I think just think there's a lot of positives, but I mean, ultimately, I, this could all change after three games. So I, I, it's difficult to predict, but I mean, I, I would still like to be strong and say that we finished fourth. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's just going to be weird. It's, it's going to be very just dependent on who's basically got the fittest team for the last 10 yeah, games or so. I agree. And I think just to contextualise that for everyone else, um, we've got to go to Villa Park, which has never really been a great place for Chelsea's Faniado's records um, linger, but they have been defensively awful and, and they're gonna get slapped. Don't say that. Don't say that. We we got to play. We got to play City at home. We got to play West Ham away. We got to play Watford at home. Palace away. 
Sheffield United away, who will be very oh. much in the mix. Norwich at home, who you assume won't really want to be there by that point because they they'll be down and it will just be a bit like long for them. Liverpool away, who obviously is Anfield and everything, but we've played very well against them both times this season, and they'll have what wrapped up the title by then anyway. Um, and then we what was scheduled to be the last last game was Wolves at home. So of those, there's there's a few <laughs> banana skins. I think I think I think uh, Anfield. City, um, Bro, Sheffield United. Fucking hard there's a, games. There's a few games there that I'm not confident in um, at all. But I think, like Joe said, it's so hard to baseline where everyone is. Yeah. Listen, that could be Villa, the saving Villa. grace for everyone, really and true. That could be the saving grace for us. But the same could be said for other teams. Look, City, Liverpool... Yeah, I just don't think they've but got enough to play this, for, though. Is, so if they've got enough is, to play for, to be fully motivated. This is Liverpool who've won the league, and City who've lost the league. Um, you can't see them being like a hundred percent focused just after Champions COVID. League nothing to play for. Is the Champions League cancelled this week? I ain't seen any update about what's happened. There's been there's been a lot of stories about floating about maybe doing like a tournament thing um, later down the line or one-off games uh-huh. instead of two-legged things. But there's been no update about that as of yet. I don't think, but. You, if, if the leagues are restarting, I imagine they'll play that out in some form in, in July or August. Uh, my Villa, thing is... Villa are going to get Schalke treatment, because I'm telling you. Quickly, Villa my thing is... Get when we started the season, we had injuries. So we had to kind of... Frozen. But we had to rely on a bare-bones squad. When the injured players came back, then we started to face issues. So everyone's looking at injury um, players returning as a good thing, but now there's going to be so many options. So how we manage those options might actually work against us. We'll see. But I'm not like obviously with the the, the big games you just mentioned. I'm not too confident. Mm. Yeah, I think like I said from the beginning, if we get fifth, sixth, I'm calm. I'm calm. Considering the season that we've had, considering the injuries, considering how the season started, considering that it's Frank's first season. Um, in the league, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be too sad if we don't finish in top four. But it's doable. How many, how many points do we behind Leicester? Five. Yeah. Five. We're finishing third, cuz. We're finishing third. <laughs> We're finishing third, fam. <laughs> you, yeah, man, yes, yes, you, man, you man are talking about... You man are... Listen, remember that purple patch, that seven game run? We're going on that again, fam. I'm not saying that we're I'm definitely going to finish fifth or sixth, but I'm saying if we do, make it run sound like Mead, if we do, Mead, Matthew has spoken. Yeah, yeah Matt has spoken. He's gone so hard in. Listen, listen. I'm just watching Ruben now as well score a little, you know that little... Look at the guys on YouTube! He's got YouTube up, yes! Yeah! Come on, Listen, listen, listen. Listen, I don't know if you don't know, Jay is the most passion merchant fan ever, bro. Do you know the best thing about this, though? The passion merchant is it swings both ways. We'll come back and, what, our first game... When we come back, we'd have been scheduled to be Villa, yeah? yeah. We'll draw 1-1 one, one at Villa. No, Gilmore, Gilmore will get overrun in the middle. Jermaine will come on and you'll be like, bro, I don't even know. They, them man don't want to have a buck up on Gilmore. Yeah, the season. Listen, that Douglas shoot don't want to cap the buck up on Gilmore. <laughs> 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 
Don't fucking get me gas, fam. We're, we're going to finish third. 5.5 <laughs> Leicester. We're finishing third. The man's momentum has gone, fam. We're yeah, third. I like it. It's All right, listen. Chelsea weren't able to carry any momentum with them into this new restart. But I think, I think final word of the pod to give us some momentum should be just a closing statement from our passion merchant, Jermaine, Matt Hardy and Lower. Um, listen, listen, we're finishing third. I don't want to hear no talk about no fifth or six. We're 100% finishing third. Leicester are going to drop off. They're going to lose a couple games. Facts. Might even beat City in the run as well. Spit fire. Ruben Loftus with the winner in that. I'm telling you, fam. <laughs> we're good. Uh, we're good. I mute his mic. Mute him. Mute him. We're good. We're good. We're good, we're out here. All right, listen, that's, oh, wait, that's, that's us for the week. That's us um, for the week. We're back next week, as always. Same time, Chelsea, our touchline frackers. Um, I wish all of you listening to have the same vim in your days as Jermaine has just finished the pod with. Um, <laughs> and and hopefully we get more and more news and more and more updates before this season restart. Um and, and hopefully kick on and, and finish this year strong. Boys, thanks so much for your time and I'll speak to you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. Sometimes saving money takes work, but when you switch to Xfinity Mobile, it's easy. You'll save hundreds a year on your wireless bill and get nationwide 5G included at no extra cost. Wow, that was easy. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Sports Social Podcast Network.